Welcome to the Bayside Sports Pod. I'm your host, Seth Tao. I'm a sports reporter for the Star Democrat, covering the Eastern Shore for APG Chesapeake. Be sure to keep up with all of our episodes at the Star Democrat website, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Tao, and follow us on Instagram at stardem underscore sports. Hey everyone, this is episode 8 of the Bayside Sports Pod. Thanks for listening. On this episode, I interviewed Easton Hockey head coach Tim Nowak. We talked extensively about his 26-year career as a referee in the National Hockey League, from how he got his start to officiating the 2003 Stanley Cup Final and other career highlights and moments, as well as how he got into coaching and what the adjustment was like after retiring from the NHL last year. Tim just oozes passion for the game, and he has a really interesting perspective. The audio is a little rough in spots. We had some internet issues a few times while recording. But stick with us. I know you'll like this episode. One last thing. I hope you're all safe and healthy during this ongoing crisis. I'm just trying to entertain and give you something to get your mind off everything going on. I really hope we can safely get back to sports soon. But hang in there for now. So again, thanks for listening and enjoy. Okay, so we got Tim Nowak on the podcast today, uh, Easton Hockey head coach and longtime NF- NHL, excuse me, NHL referee. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. How you doing, Seth? I'm doing really well. So we're going to get a lot into his NHL days, just his, all his several experiences of his from a, as a referee. First, I got to ask you about some of the stuff that's behind you. Like, describe it. What, what I see a lot of hockey pucks above you and some pictures. Just tell me what those are. Um, well, I've always been a collector of certain pucks. So, um, the pucks that you see on top are some really old pucks. Some from like Boston Garden, uh, Hart, when Hartford Whalers were in the league. Um, just a lot of them that meant a lot to you over the years. So, um, I've collected those. And I think there's a uh, when we retired from the league uh, over my one shoulder is um, score sheet for my first game and score sheet for my last game. And, and in the middle is a picture of uh, Sidney Crosby. Uh, the last time I had Pittsburgh, um, the whole team came and congratulated me. So the photographer uh, took a picture of that. And I was luckily able to get, get that and, and put that in there to have as a keepsake. Um, and then I think the other one is uh, my 1500th game. I had my family and, and the captains come and usually give you a nice gift from the team to congratulate you. And um, so that was all, so all special. And I think the other one's uh, the first real winter classic, uh, 2008 in Buffalo, uh, many years ago. So, but that was a special time being uh, from Buffalo. All right. So how did you first get involved in hockey? Like what attracted you to the sport? Uh, well, I started playing hockey when I was eight years old up in Buffalo. And I can always tell a story that we were just driving by a rink and it said, learn to skate for 1995. And um, I still remember putting the skates on for the first time and, and the rink looked like an ocean and be able to get out there and skate. And, you know, that just, I just loved playing and I was a goalie. Somehow I ended up playing goal and I was a goalie throughout my amateur career in, in Buffalo and junior in college up in Buffalo too. And I just loved, loved playing the sport and being that position, you're the last line of defense. So that kind of, kind of intrigued me and really thrived on it and had a pretty successful year or career as uh, as an amateur player. How big is the sport up there like in Buffalo? I've never been up to Buffalo, but that seems it's obviously much bigger uh, up the north, more north you get. 
Yeah, it's huge. It's it is absolutely good. and it's so close to Canada and everyone in Canada plays hockey. To be in Buffalo, I don't know how many, but um to be able to draw that many kids that play hockey is, is huge and, and and they've obviously sent a lot of kids in the NHL, the program there and, and they play a lot of some of the teams even play in, in leagues up in Canada's Canadian team. When I played college couple of teams from from Canada when our in our division so it's it's kind of like lacrosse down here if I can compare it to anything where it's just so so many kids that play it and from a young age all the way up so as they get as they get older they have a lot of experience behind playing so how do you get involved as a referee because you know I I did a little bit I never was involved in hockey I did some light refereeing bet when I was in like high school, just basketball and baseball, but I, I never really understood how you could get involved like as a referee at the higher levels, you know? Uh, a lot of times I think I got involved more for the ice time because with, with so much hockey being played um, so many teams and so many kids playing hockey, ice time was, was, wasn't the easiest thing to come by. So it was a way to get back on the ice and get better and, and get more ice time. But then you actually learn the rules and, and I, I had fun refereeing and loved getting there. And I remember one year the, when I think I, when I first started in the summer, I'd do like six or seven games. I think I made like five bucks a game and I did use that in the, in the pro shop for, for equipment. So I was able to buy my own equipment, but I just loved uh, learning the rules. And then my teammates would always ask me if that was the right rule. And, you know, even though I was, I think 12 when I started officiating, um, I learned the rules a quick way and, uh, and I just love, love it. Love getting out there and getting more ice time. You started officiating when you were 12. Yeah. Back then you can, I think now you have to be 16 if I'm not mistaken in certain States, but yeah, I would do, uh, it would have actually three games going on on one rink. They call them like cross rinks. So it'd be one game going on in the, you know, the attacking zone, one in the neutral zone and one in the, and they'd set up these little barriers. So they'd be, I don't know, 20, 60 kids because the kids were, I don't know, they could have been five, six years old at that time. So, yeah, it was 12. All right. So so then how did you make the jump into the NHL for, from those start, from those days starting out? Well, they had, um, back then, like they had USA camps that you can go to or, or certain officials would run camps. Um, and I went to the USA camps up in, and they were in Lake Placid, which was a phenomenal thing growing up as a, as a young kid and, and knowing what happened in, in 80 there. Um, but I would go to these camps, apply to these, go to these camps, and I'd get selected. And there'd be kids from, whether it was the eastern region of the, of the U.S., was usually in, in Lake Placid, then they'd have a western regional camp, uh, wherever that was, somewhere, did, maybe Colorado, whatever. Um, but I did well at the USA hockey camps and kept progressing through that. And then luckily I was able to uh, – get a tryout in the East Coast Hockey League, which is similar to like single A baseball uh, back then and um, did well at, did well in that league. And then the American League was, was another opportunity living in Buffalo as a team in Rochester. So I'd work games in Rochester. And uh, then I got lucky again because in 93, when I got hired by NHL, they were expanding. So they were looking for some officials and I would say, you gotta be in the right place at the right time. And luckily I was, and I had, uh, I had some good years in the East Coast League and, and some good guidance by some other fellow officials and the commissioner and then um, the American League, same thing, just just did well and said right place at the right time. And NHL came, offered me a contract in 93. 
All right, so take me through what a typical game day as an NHL ref was like from, from walk, the time you'd walk into the arena until to the time you'd walk out. Well, actually, it started, Seth, way, like way before. Like, and I always, I would go, when I would, you know, teach the guys that had jobs and had to go referee night, that's, our job really for an NHL is more of a mental side of it because um, everything just geared, to, geared towards the game. So for an official – whether I was in the city the night before, if I flew in there, was coming from somewhere, whatever, everything geared towards the game. So you'd wake up in the morning, have breakfast, go down to the gym, maybe get back to the room and, and make some phone calls, uh, answer some emails, uh, read up the rule book, um, go for lunch, really then come back. And I was a big, I love taking naps. So I'd, I'd take a two, three hour nap in the afternoon and then wake up and, and really feel refreshed. Everything was geared towards the uh, the game, and then you know, depending on where you know wh where we were staying or where the rink was, some rinks we could walk to. Others, if you're staying in New York, we stay. I don't know why, but when I first got in the league, we'd stay at LaGuardia Airport to, to get down for a, for a game. Um, take us like an hour and a half to get down there. Uh, but then, and you walk in, and it's it's pretty cool. It, it, Walk in the back way, which one of the things that I really enjoyed when we went to a game this year in Washington, my wife and I and daughter, was walking in the front, standing in line, standing with the crowd. <laughs> um, but you'd walk in the back and just walk really right in the room and really not see anything and maybe go out and warm up and in the hallway, see some of the players there warming up or whatever. And then you see we're, our walkway wasn't too far from, from the rink and um, boom, it was game time, ready to go. But that's what that's what made it easy as opposed to some of the guys that had to work nine to five jobs and have all the stress of their jobs and then coming home trying to eat everything whether it was nutrition eating sleeping resting getting everything ready was was all set for for that game time and, and you know we do some intel too as far as who was playing maybe something happened um last time you know they played or different personalities on teams we really had to study to know who you know who our who our contestants were that night or um, you know, coaching, coaching styles, how they, how they deal with officials and, and just, just to know everything and, and be ready be prepared for whatever could happen. Did you ever get recognized like in public by, by hardcore fans? I think the, the, where we would is, is up in Canada, like in Montreal or Toronto. And it's, I can't even describe when you asked me about the high school in Buffalo, I I don't even know if I could describe how hockey is looked at in like markets like Toronto or Montreal. I, and, and I remember doing and they play, I think 82 or 84 games like doing a game in November, I think. And, and they were talking about, it was a must win in November. And I'm like, wow. But yeah, like you would go out and people would know who you were. And, and so you always had to, you know, you always had to know, you know, that, that you were being watched and who, you know, people knew who you were. So, you know, do the right thing. And, and, don't just take for granted that just because they're officials that no one would know who you are. And, um, but yeah, up in Canada more, more so than, than down in the States. So. Yeah. They, I know they take it crazy in Canada. I, I was actually on a road trip with some buddies. We went up to Montreal a couple summers ago, right? Like we were on this road trip when the Capitals won the Stanley cup. So we went into Montreal the next day. I was wearing a Capitals jersey. I was wearing an Ovechkin Jersey and I, we walk into a convenience store and the guy at the front just says, eh, Capitals. <laughs> yeah, they, they love it. It's just, it, it's probably like our football times 10. It, it, 
it's incredible to go up there and just be part of and and Montreal and Toronto and even though you know even Vancouver Calgary and, and all those cities Winnipeg um that you wouldn't really think much but it's just it's just they just love their hockey up there and they're so passionate about it which is great I mean it's great fan base obviously went back to Winnipeg so it's uh it was great to see that the all the people have the, such passion for the game and and just live for the teams there so when you when you started out, how long did it kind of take? Did were you starstruck at all, like by by all the players around you when you just started out? And how long did it take you to adjust to that? You are, I think, at at the first start. And you know, when you first start, and I remember like my first year of me being a goalie, like I was mentioning. Um, I think my second game, Patrick Wall was was a goalie, and I was just amazed at the speed of the game and how good a player like he was. Um, but it's so difficult anyone that officiates hockey like officiating hockey and watching hockey are two totally separate things and in the sport of hockey it's so fast like I would tell people if you could go to a game and sit down low to see how fast it is sometimes when you when you've watched it on tv or you're you're up high in the stand I don't think you get a as much of a uh, appreciation for how fast the game is and how how these players are so good they know what they're going to do with the puck before they get it so I remember being out there going, wow, just watching, going, these guys are really good. This is why I never made it. But then I was three steps behind the play and, and of what I had to watch and what my duties were. So I learned pretty quick. Um, but I think maybe my first couple of years, because, you know, now when, like, like I said, like talking to Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin or whoever it may be, it, they're just – they're just playing their people. They, they were, everyone just got a job to do in life, and mine just happened to be on the ice. Theirs just happened to be on the ice. Um, I think early on, when it was more of an intimidation sport, um, seeing guys like Mark Messier out, Messier out there and Scott Stevens, they were pretty intimidating just by the way they would look at people. And 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 you know, sometimes they'd really test the young guy, and and but for the right reasons, they would just want to want to know what you're about. And um, so it was. It was pretty – you had to earn your stripes early on. And it was it was worth it once you did and you gained that respect of the players and the coaches and, and knowing that uh, that you belong. And they, they just wanted to see if you had the confidence in your in yourself. A lot of times that takes – it's hard to respect. And it's not something that's just given to you. You have to, you have to prove time and time again that you're a pretty consistent official and, and a consistent person. So then as the years went on, like, what were the relationships like that you formed with, with the players and coaches? How, how much did you kind of form relationships with the guys you were around so much? I think it, it, was, it was great. Like, I had so many times where the coaches that were around for so long that they saw me and they saw a normal, like, they saw how I was and an honest person. Like, you know, we, all, we always would make mistakes. Officials, always, you know, we always make them. They're not perfect. But it's when you kind of – improve from that mistake so then when and and owning up to your mistakes and 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 that go, that went a long way with players and coaches and like I said you can't as an official just keep saying I'm sorry I'm sorry you have to improve um but they like to see that side of the of you being honest and 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 knowing that especially later on in, in my career they started getting video so they really knew the answers before you like We'd have, we only had one chance at it where they would have a video guy that would tell you later on. But as my career went on and that respect was, uh, was kind of earned throughout the years, um, when I needed to rely on a coach or a player to maybe calm a, another player down 
whatever I could use that avenue to do this. But you had to you had to get to a certain point of of having respect from the coaches and the players to do that. But then you you also at that point you're really comfortable in your job and it's it's still fast, but you've done it for so long and and like anything else that everyone does in life, once you get the respect of your peers, then it makes it really that much easier to do. Okay, so from your all your years, who are your favorite players to be around? Oh gosh, um, I remember. Well, I remember growing up in Buffalo and in the old odd in Buffalo, and and you always think of how the people would would treat people, you know, and and, and I, in in Buffalo, all the fans would line up to get autographs, and I remember being as a kid seeing uh, uh, Pat LaFontaine, who played on the Islanders, and he came over to the Sabers. He would sign, sit there and sign every autograph. And then I was lucky enough to work the last game in Buffalo where he played on the Sabres. And I remember him coming into the room and, and he wanted to know if we would sign a puck for him. And I'm like, what do you want me to sign a puck for? But he was just always a classy guy. And he would never, never, you know, put you down to for any gains whatsoever. He's just consistent and an honest guy. Um, you know, Ryan Suter, defenseman uh, from Minnesota now, American guy, got to know him pretty well over the years. Um, obviously, a lot of capital players, just great guys. And, and you know, the treating me in my last game was phenomenal in, in Washington. Um, but uh, I, always, I always would like, you know, like when I talk about Mark Messi, you would see how he would act. And you see how some of these guys would just go about their business and be consistent and just do what needed to be done and, and just be a leader, just seeing different ways that guys would lead. Uh, Mark Messi wouldn't be, a, he would just go out there. And if he said something, like he, he guaranteed to win in game six and, and he went out there and scored a hat trick. So um, I think those two guys probably, you know, Suter and, and LaFontaine were the classiest guys I, I've come across, but hockey players as a whole, just, just really great guys that would do, they do so much work for, for charities and stuff like that. And, and it's really uh, great to see that, that so many of them, they understand what's been given to them. So they take their time out to just to give back and make someone's day and whatever it is, whatever way they can. Were you any closer with the coaches or more distant, I guess, with the coaches just from, I guess they would get up in your face a little bit as much as they could. No, I think that was years ago that way was. I, but now a lot of the coaches, you know, especially in the last couple of years, they were players. So what we had built long relationships for many years. Um, and then what I would do when I knew my career was kind of getting towards the end and, and I knew I wanted to get into coaching. And, you know, we moved here in 2004, but I'd probably be there maybe a third if I'm Easton or St. Smyrna Paul and, um, you know, Easton Ice Hawks for, for a couple of years there. But I knew I wanted to get into coaching when I was done. So I'd be asking them stuff during games or timeouts or whatever about coaching. And they would all like, they, they coach laugh and, and I would tell them, oh, I, I want to get into coaching. I want to know how you guys, what you, you know, what you guys do, what you guys think here. And, and of course, that's a whole never, another level of trying to deal with people making, you know, that type of money or, you know, that type of, of animal where everything is gauged by wins in, in, you know, the NHL. So um, they're under so much pressure, but I would get so many tips from, you know, like Claude Julian, I talked to him a lot and always respected Rod Brendamore who took over in Carolina as a player. He was a phenomenal player, phenomenal leader. And now he's coaching, not one to really say much, but just the guys know and, and he leads by example as a coach or, you know, just, I would love talking to the coaches, but 
it would be great conversations because when you go over to the bench and you talk to the coach in a in a calm and and, and great manner, the players see that, and then the players know that official has the respect of the players so then that kind of helps you as an official you know when you need to talk to a player or whatever as whatever situation may be going on in the ice okay so then who are some of your favorite coaches over the years to interact with uh i'd always enjoy talking to um claude julian he's coaching montreal right now but he's been with boston for many years um just an honest guy always just um knew he had a tough job to do and just just Wanted an honest answer if he asked you something, if, if whether you made a mistake or whatever it was. He just wanted you to ask, answer him honestly, which is all you can really ask for. Um, but I always enjoyed talking to Claude. Um, I love Rod Brendamore. He's coaching uh, now in Carolina, the hurricane down there. Um, he was a longtime player, played for Philadelphia early on in his career, then went down to Carolina, won a Stanley Cup as captain. Um, same thing, leader by example, now behind the bench. Doesn't say a lot, probably said more when he was on the ice than he did off the ice, but you can just tell that he just leads by example and his players follow along. What I hear, like he is, you know, working out every day with the guys and stuff like that and just leading in that way. But um, his intensity seems like it's a, it's a guy that you'd want to play for. So I think he gets a little extra from his players that way. Um, love talking to Craig Brube. He's, uh, he was a pretty intense player when he played. Um, took over last year for St. Louis midway through the year when they weren't doing so well. And um, he was the type of guy that he wanted his guys working hard. He didn't really worry about other other things, other aspects of the game that he couldn't really control. But he knew probably because he knew the type of player he was and he had to work so hard for everything that he got in his career that he wanted his players to do the same thing, just worry about that. And um, one story I was telling was, you know, last year they win the Stanley Cup, and um, what happened was when they were playing in the uh, conference finals against San Jose, you know, unfortunately our guys missed a call. Ended up being a, a game-winning goal in overtime for San Jose. Wasn't reviewable, so they had to live with that call. And, and as you can imagine, to try to tell you how intense playoffs are is, is really hard to do, but then you get into the conference final and a chance to go to the Stanley Cup finals – is just magnified so much. So intensity levels and people's, yeah, like, like they are just off the rails at everything. Um, so and obviously our job as officials is to control everyone's emotions. So anyways, our, you know, miss a call, they score a goal, San Jose, game's over. And from what I hear, he, he goes into the room and he tells his players, this is the last thing I wanna hear. We're not talking about that call again. We're moving forward to the next game. And I couldn't even imagine how hard that would be because you'd, you'd have to be so mad and frustrated about a missed call that, you know, unfortunately, like I said, wasn't reviewable and you just had to live with it. Everyone knew it was the wrong call, um, but we had to, everyone had to move on. And he just told his players that, that. And so don't they do that? They win that series. Then they go on to the finals and they beat Boston in game seven on the road, which who knows? if they win that series, if, if he doesn't have that concept and that thought process, that, comp, that, that series or the, or the, uh, the finals. So I would say those three guys are really just all different guys, but kind of glowed, you know, he wasn't, he was a guy you can communicate with the other two guys played in the league for a long time. So you knew 
you know, I had relationships with both of them, so they knew about me and, and knew who I was from from all the years of, of our experience together. All right, so I, I like that whole story about the San Jose game, and that kind of sparked a interesting question, a two-part interesting question. I guess when you were officiating, did you find yourself kind of watching other sports through the referee's viewpoint? And as, since you've stopped officiating hockey games, are you watching hockey games through the official's viewpoint? Well, other sports, I gotta, I, I don't know. I love watching football, but I don't know. I don't really don't know what the rules are. So I've never really watched it through um, and with the officials in football. I wouldn't know where each official's responsibility lies, um, you know, what area they're looking at or that. Um, I know a lot of umpires. I would say that would probably be the only sport that I would be able to look at it through um, – through their eyes as far as whether the guy's calling out of the first, you know, and not looking at the play, looking at the guy in the foot. And they were talking about hearing a snap of the leather or, you know, in, in the uh, or whatever, but all the angles and all that. I've gone to, to um, the training camps when I've been out there and they actually, I've been behind a plate and watching a ball. They teach you how to track a ball to come in, how they, you know, the different pitches come in different ways or whatever. Um, but I think baseball, maybe, uh, football, I don't know. I love watching it, but I watch it as a fan. Um, don't know soccer. Don't know really any other um, sports as far as that goes. As far as hockey, I didn't watch really any hockey. Um, and even when I was when officiating, when my season was done, whether it had been, you know, after a round of playoffs, if I made the playoffs one, two, I was done watching. It was just an emotional release for me. And I always found that, you know, in our business we had – um, one person making the decisions, really, you know, uh, the ultimate decision of who moves on and who doesn't. And I thought, you know, especially if you start watching, you start thinking too much of why is this guy and why is this, you know, I always was, I control what I can control and it was done. It was over with. And a lot of times my, my friends would move on. I'd be happy for him, which is kind of tough. And, and, you know, I had a friend up in Buffalo before I got hired that he was, he was in the American league with me in the minor leagues. And I heard, and he didn't. He was so happy for me, and I thought, man, that's a that's a really true friend. That that everything that you wanted, you know, your your friend got it, and you were generally happy for him. So I never really watched hockey when I was done. This year, we went to a game. Uh, my wife and daughter wanted to go to a game, so we went. Uh, I think in just after New Year, we went to a game, and it was like I said, it was fun, kind of standing in line and and, and getting our tickets at will call, and because like I said, normally just walk in the back, and and you know, we're just walking around going. Oh, where do we go? I, you know, just being the, the dumb, you know, dumb fan, I guess, in first game. And you know, even an usher came up and asked me if, if he could help me. And my wife and daughter were laughing because I just looked dumbfounded. How do we get to our seats and stuff like that? But it's it's fun. I, I So I don't really watch. But I think the games that I did, I was able to go and watch as a fan and um, really enjoy the the speed of the game and and. and the plays and now because now I got my coach's hat on and I'm, I'm seeing what the players are doing in certain situations and, and even as I was official um, as I mentioned I would talk to the coaches about certain things towards the last couple of my career and, and they'd have a game to play but they'd be like what do you and I'm like well I want, I'm getting into coaching and I want to know what do you look for here when when this guy's coming down on this on this wing or or like where's your eye or how do you and, and so I'd, I'd always be asking questions of guys that that I felt comfortable and and I knew that they were comfortable in their game because I didn't want to distract them and take away from what their job on the ice was also um, to give me, you know, tips on what they're doing out there too. So, um, but yeah, so I, I think afterwards I was able to watch hockey as, 
the few times I did as, as a fan and as, as a coach, but as a fan and not an official. Okay. So which coach gave you the best advice about coaching? I think you take, I think it's just like any official that you, you work with, you know, as you move up, you kind of take a little from everybody, you, you know, like I, I, and one thing is, you know, you can go to whether it's a, a little league game or, or because I can tell the kids, listen, like, uh, we all agree that if anything needs to be seen, the best say it. So in a way, they kinda, I have that credibility of, all right, but I've always been like, okay, let's control what we can control. And this is life. Like, you're going to go out there and play whatever sport you're playing, and whether the official makes a bad call or a good call, you know, whatever it is, that's just what it is. You have to work, you have to deal with that and worry about what you can control because it's not always going to be fair wherever, whatever you do sometimes in your eyes. So whether, and, and I always, oh, I would always tell our, our players like, yeah, you may think you got tripped and slashed or whatever, but I could probably, if I watched the film, come up with maybe two penalties that maybe shouldn't have been called on them or two penalties that we should have had called on a different part of the game. So really it, it all, for the most part, it evens out. Um, you know, of course, that player's worrying about his situation and, and stuff like that, but you just, hey, we got to worry about it. We got to move on from what happened and, and worry about what we control. And like I said, look what happened to St. Louis when, when they did that. So I think that's the key to be behind, behind the bench and, and show that, that poise of, of just that calmness and just worry, take all the distractions out and go out there and 100% of them worry about what we can do. As you've gotten into coaching, like, do, do, do the guys that ref your game, I guess, know that you used to be a ref also? And as you kind of interact with them, are you try, do you, like, make a conscious effort to try to be, go easy on them just because you know how hard that job is? I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I understand what they're doing. Um, I don't think I've ever really – I don't really – I'm not one to yell or whatever. I know they have a tough time and, and, and just um, – I would just, and, and I think a lot of times the guys would ref and they'd want to know how they did. And I'm like, I don't, I, I'm watching, I'm watching the players more than the weather. I know whatever this penalty should have been called is, but, but I'm worried about more what, I think if I worry about more what the official can do, I'm not worrying how to better our players or put them in better s- spots to succeed, whether it's, you know, in a play or whatever, or how to, how to maybe draw a penalty better or whatever. I'm more worried about our actions than, than what an official's doing. Yeah. There are times when there may be things that, that should have been called and, and something needs to be said because whether it's maybe the, the hard work of our player isn't really being rewarded. If he's playing honestly and, and there should have been a penalty. Um, but they, I think most of the guys know um, we had a game this year where all I did was simply ask the question and, and, and because I knew the guy didn't have any idea who, you know, my experience was. And, and, and so he made a comment to one of our players about, you know, me asking a lot of questions or whatever. And <laughs> I just wanted to see what he saw on the play because he, he didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't make the right call. And so one of the look on his face when one of our players told him <laughs> who I was, was, was kind of funny, but, uh, but nothing, not, nothing in any demeaning way or whatever, just, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be treated any different. I, I like our team playing discipline. I think one of the one of the referees kind of said to me towards the end of the year, he goes, you guys are one of the least by team. I'm like, okay, well, I hope that's not just the players are going to run and hold on them that uh, they to look at it that way. But 
you you did the uh 03 stanley cup final correct yes yes okay let's get into that a little bit so first off i guess what was the moment like when you found out that you were getting the big assignment pretty intense uh as a player or whatever like there's there's checkpoints along the way right you, you know i got hired that was great you know every league along the way then i got hired and then after that you want to get into the playoffs that means you're pretty pretty you know respected official then you obviously want to get to next round then you want to get to the next round but like anything else it's like a pyramid right so i think uh for for the 30 some you know we we, we got selected to do it so uh when i got the call it was just i was just so ecstatic and people always ask me, like, oh, were you, were you nervous and all that? And, and I don't know. I've always looked at it as opportunity. Uh, anything, any, whatever, it's the first game, first game in a round, whatever, any assignments. Because I always thought, well, the assigner's got enough confidence in me. I better have enough confidence in me, um, in myself. So it was, it was awesome. I mean, like I said, the, um, the playoffs are another animal. But once you get to the finals, you know, like when the playoffs start, there's probably two games in each conference every game every night and then you know the next one there's obviously half the games in it but when the finals are going on that's the only game in town so everybody's watching and to go out there and because you know that what's the prize is is a stanley cup and a lot of players don't get a chance to even play you know to not let alone win it but to even play for it so um to be able to do that and and i think uh i worked three games in a round and then i did a standby if that, that series went to game seven and I was standby for game seven. So all the years, the, you know, if you see on, uh, on TV or on the internet or whatever, the guy, the keeper of the cup, right. And he has the, the, the Stanley cup. Well, they keep that in the officials room. So, so that <laughs> night for game seven, I remember, you know, I played, uh, I think we lived in Annapolis at the time I was playing men's league uh, there. A bunch of my buddies were playing men's league game that night. So I was calling them because it was just me and the Stanley Cup hanging out in the room, in our dressing room for, I don't know, two, three hours, whatever it was, because they knew that was a safe place and, you know, they had to have a guard outside and all that. But, um, so I was just hanging out with Stanley Cup for, so, but I think what was just as exciting as that was, I was able to bring along a lot of people along the way that, that helped me with my career to each of those games. And some of them I forgot and they were like, oh, that was phenomenal coming to, come to the New Jersey and, for, for the finals and, and you forget, but I've always tried to bring people along the way to kind of share that, uh, you know, whether it's behind the scenes or something that most people wouldn't be have a chance to see, whether it's coming down a locker room or, you know, something as simple as that uh, goes so far, but, uh, but to do finals, I always said it's pinnacle of career. You want to, uh, a lot of guys, so many guys don't even get a chance to work the finals and for whatever reasons. And I was fortunate enough to, to be able to, to say that, that I've done that. So it was a pretty, pretty exciting moment in my career. How much of an adrenaline rush, I guess, was it when you're out on the ice, like during that game that you know the entire hockey world is watching? It's exciting. And back then we didn't have any review, but I don't think it changed much in my mindset because I don't think I've ever officiated with, oh yeah, we have review in case or whatever. You just go out there, but you know, you got to be on because yeah, you want to do that during the season and all that. You want to be the best and you whatever, I think we'd officiate like 75 regular season games. And, you know, maybe I did 12 or 13 playoff games up to the, you know, up to the last round to get there. But now you know that the end is near. Your summer's near, but you just have to stay focused and, and really, you know, and you, you talk about people noticing you. The media 
would be it would be crazy. It'd be, it's like being up in Canada, but you know, even bigger because now all the the writers, all the cameras, all the TV networks are you know there for that game, and and you know you don't want to unfortunately you know be the be the outcome of of the game in in a, in a negative way. So, uh, but it's cool. I get you see the you know the Stanley Cups in the building for any clinching game, and 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 to know that that you that's your that's the top that you can reach. All right. So, what what was it like just being in that room alone with the Stanley Cup? Like, was that just kind of like mind blown situation? Yeah, yeah. To think, you know, and I remember, like I said, I, I my buddies were playing a men's league game that night, and I'm calling them, and I'm like, "What are you?" I'm like, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "Oh, we're getting, we got." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm hanging out with Stanley Cup." <laughs> and and <laughs> um, but just to see, <clears throat> and you see people that go to the Hall of Fame and they just look at it. I just remember staring at it, going. Wow, like all the names on there, or whether I watched it as a kid and seeing it being hoisted and 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 just knowing all the you know tradition behind it, and um, it was just it was me and the cup. It was it was phenomenal. I, I mean, I'm like, how many people can say that they hung out with a Stanley Cup for for two three hours by itself? So I think that was a, a great accomplishment to to be able to make it that year to to be able to do that. So I I have purely curiosity. Did you interact with any of the broadcasters ever? Like, I know Gary Thorne was doing big on hockey back then. You know, Doc Emmerich right now is huge on hockey. But what were those guys like if you got to interact with them at all? Doc Emmerich was the best. He, I think of all the people I've known, like, he, uh, that I've met broadcasting, he's done the best to sell the game. Um, in fact, he used, to, he used to send a guy, talk about a, uh, a guy, he would never bash the game, right? And I, I just remember watching and <clears throat> excuse me, he would – say that guy missed a call and he'd, he'd say, well, the referee, no act, didn't think that was a penalty and 15 other people, thousand people in the building would <laughs> tend to disagree with him. You know, like the way he would put a spin on things, but he would send a guy to our training camp and want to know everything about like me, you know, or, or every guy that was on our staff. So he would, during games, you know, whether it was a delay in the, in the game, whether it was whatever, then he'd talk about the official and I remember when I did the outdoor game in Buffalo in, in 2008 same thing there was a delay because that was an outdoor game so they had a lot of ice issues you know where they had to bring out the the fire extinguishers and freeze the ice a little bit and and so he would you know so and, and he would mention my high school you know and you oh, Tim Noir, you know local Buffalo guy went to Maryville High School 85 graduate where he's selling the game that way as opposed to I find sometimes when people broadcast if they don't know what they, negative always sells, right? Like you want to, you want to bash this, you want to bash that where he was always a seller of the game. And, and so he was, he was the best, just a genuine guy. And so then this year I was helping out with the, um, the East coast league, the league I started with going to do some games and supervising officials. And so in beginning of March, I went to uh, Fort Wayne, hadn't been to Fort Wayne since 1993. So I was excited to go back. Well, it was hall and fame induction night and they were inducting Doc Emmerich. And so it was unbelievable to come full circle and see him. So he doesn't know I'm in the building. And so I'm up and I'm going to be up in the press box to watch the officials. They have a spot. So right next to me, it says Doc Emmerich. There's his name plate. <laughs> I'm like, he's going to like totally flip out when all of a sudden he walks up and I'm sitting next to him. And he, so he sits down and he's like, hi. And he doesn't know it's me yet. Then all of a sudden he looks and goes, Tim, what are you like? What are you doing in Fort Wayne? But he was always just great to go and, 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 and talk to and just 
so good for the game. And he, I always thought he, he, he was one of those, like when I live in Buffalo, Rick Jenner, uh, he still does broadcasting in Buffalo, but he was the guy that did it on the radio and everyone would turn down, turn down the volume on the TV and turn up the radio because Rick Jennerette on the radio was such a good announcer and he made you feel like he, you were at the game. And I think Doc does the best thing too is, is when you listen to a game, you can just feel the excitement, whether it's uh, going to be a close play at the net and just the way he talks and, and just makes you, you, you think you're at the game by just listening to him. So, but he's such a good guy, such a good guy. And, and um, so good for our sport. The NHL is so fortunate to have a guy like that. That's that's um, you know able to do do what he does to, to you know make the game exciting for the fans and sell the game. Yeah, I, I love those stories. I love listening to Doc Emmerich. I, I don't think there's anyone else in broadcasting that can go from zero to one hundred, back to zero, back to one hundred, and back to zero again, like just so smoothly the way he does. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and he's such a good guy too. So, like, uh, it, it, just all for the right reasons. Just selling the game. Once, and he's student. I always tell the kids, be a student of the game, and that's what he is. Even with all his experience and everything, all the experience he has, he still would talk to a first-year official the same way as a twenty-five-year official, and never, never anything. I remember, remember uh, doing a, I think it was a NBC game in Montreal, and. So when I used to fly out of Montreal to get back home, I had to take like a five five thirty flight out of Montreal to Atlanta, Atlanta to Bolt. So I run into Doc in the airport. Now this is like 3.45, 4 o'clock in the morning. He's like, hey, Tim, how are you? It was a great game last night. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, he was just talking hockey at 4 o'clock in the morning. I was just like, <laughs> all right, I, I, you know, I just want to get on the plane and sleep. But just a great guy. And, um you know, I was so fortunate to see him in, in Fort Wayne, so I was really happy. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so I'm going to get uh, shift gears a little bit. Uh, just in, We'll get to the coaching soon, but there, I want to get into some of the crazier stories, I guess, that you have. You said you told me before you didn't have anything that stands out. I know Bill, my editor, Bill Hoffey, told me that there's, you have a good story about the time the league put a camera on your helmet and things just kind of went crazy. Oh, yeah, that was uh... – they just started doing like a helmet cam and, and the league hired a new, a new guy, a new kid. It was like, he was like an intern, but he was really good at, at what he did. So it was a preseason game. I think it was in Toronto. And I remember he called me and he was all nervous. He wanted to know if he could put a helmet on or a camera on my helmet. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever you need to, you know, sell the league. And, and um, so this is all the game and that that's no problem. So, you know, he goes, because I need you to get to the rink earlier to put the helmet on for the, the camera on properly. And um, so we get to the game, and, and I, I think it was um, – oh, Buffalo was playing because John Scott was playing for, uh, for Buffalo at the time. And so game's going along. Nothing's really happening. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how exciting it is. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, you know, for a fan's point of view, to see what I see would be great, right? You're on the ice. You feel like you're on the ice. So all of a sudden, a couple of things happen. You can really feel the intensity heating up. And all of a sudden, John Scott comes out. And those that don't know John Scott, he's about 6'6", six, 6'7", 6'8". He's just one mean, nice guy. Like, most of those guys are all gentle giants. But when he had a job to do, he had a job to do. And he lined up next to Phil Kessel, who was more of a skilled player than anything, and basically just told him that he's going to beat him up. And sure enough, as soon as I – and he's right in front of me. Like, they were playing the wing. And as soon as I dropped the puck, all hell breaks loose. And 
they start fighting. Everybody's fighting. And a guy jumps off the bench and I'm in the middle of my camp. And of course the camera's only on by, you know, whatever it is. And so that comes flying off my helmet <laughs> and it's like pointing up at the ceiling. Meanwhile, the whole thing's going on and this guy's, you know, his, his feet is just showing a picture of the Air Canada center ceiling and, and everything's going on there. But it was, I think it, he was so excited that that happened, but he, he was so afraid to show his excitement because he knew the game, you know, was a really difficult game for us to do, you know, when everything happened, but he was so happy that he had such good footage because it had, I think it had audio too at the time or whatever, but for him to get that, he was so happy. And I was like, yeah, hey, I don't care, whatever. And, and John Scott's such a good guy, and, you know, all that happened. There was no way that, could, you know, but it was just, it was cute. If, chaos and he just loved it it was his first time i'm like well that's i don't think you're gonna have that much luck next time so like he was he was excited about it what's it like when you're out there during a fight like how much does your role is, is an official change well as you know as an official especially in the game of hockey you know as official in any sport i think one of the one of the main jobs is for us to control the emotions of the players and i learned that early on in my career when i was all you know young and, and you thought it's like any, like it's like anything else. Like you, if if you're talking loud and yelling, uh, you get more if you're talking in a calm and, and controlled manner. So, um, so you're in a, you want to get controlled manner as far as emotions. But really, when we would go into the fights, the the guys that would like fight back then, they had such respect for each other. Like they really did, and and it was like a a brotherhood of they all knew that they had a, a job to do, and. When they went in there, they would they would fight, but we would have to really just neutralize them. I didn't have to overpower a guy like John Scott or whatever, because a lot of those guys had such great respect for us. So as soon as we got in there, then they'd be done. I mean, think of a guy like uh, Chara. He's like six nine, and 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 I like I'm tall. Some of our guys couldn't even get leverage on him because if they were six foot, they couldn't they couldn't wrap his arms up. But he would just know that when our guys would get in there, he would stop. I mean, if he didn't want to, he, he could have just kept going. Because some of our guys just wouldn't have been able to just because he's so tall and he's such a, a, a strong guy that, that he wouldn't. But oh, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time we'd go in there and, and the guys would be real respectful of not only us, but of their opponent. Because they knew that that was really – in the conversation, people would always ask, oh, it's fighting real. I'm like, that's real. And then when they would be done, they'd be like, oh, good fight, good fight. That's how much they really respected each other, that they would fight each other and and then respect each other for the job that they did. Or, or sometimes it'd be a, a young guy coming in that would want to maybe try to ask the guy if he would go. So then if he you know did a good job against them, like he would have the respect of his his coaches or GMs or players, or whatever, and so they would say, "Okay, yeah." They they ask him, "Maybe you know, could you go with me?" You know, it's like so you see that part of it. But then when they went, they they were they were fighting. But uh, like I said, the respect that they had for each other in the game very rarely because if if a guy had a guy in a vulnerable spot and he would take advantage of him, everybody would know about it. And then because then you didn't want to be that guy. That when you were in a vulnerable spot, you wanted you wanted other people to show you their respect. So that's why everyone would would show their respect for their, their opponents in the game.
Was it kind of tough to know like how long to let them go on and, and when you would need to step in? Not really. I mean, you, you'd always player safety was, was the top priority. So like if a player went down to the ice, really that's the easy part because you know, the guy in the bottom really couldn't throw punches, you know, or continue the altercation, whatever it was. So all you had to do was smother them. Um, you know, player safety was number one. Our, you know, you, you, for the most part, I'd say 95% of the time, you, you wouldn't want to go in by yourself because then one, most chances you're not going to be able to neutralize two players unless you knew them. That gets back to knowing and, and, and having respect to the players. If it was two players that I would know when I would get in there would stop, then I would go in because they would know it's me and they, and they would show that respect. But because if you go in there, if you would go in alone without your partner, um, and one guy would get a big advantage, one of that other guy's teammates is going to come in. Now you got three guys, and then you got four guys and five guys. And it just so you have to really know, but you have to also know your limitations. Like if you could get in before it started, yeah. Like if I, if when I would work, if I spread my arms out, like that's good six feet wingspan. I could keep those guys separated for a while before my partner would get there, and I would know, okay, my partner is coming. All I got to do is keep these guys separated, or Sometimes back then, like if they were if they were going, you just you, you let them go, and really because you want, they're so trained. Like I'm saying, it was over; they were over. But until then, they just had so much. They they because the thing is too, those guys that had that role would maybe play five, six, seven minutes. So they're just sitting on the bench waiting to get that tap on the shoulder from the from the coach to go out there. They're you know they're not they're they're. They they weren't tired by any means. They were they were pumped up to go and um, and you know what I tell people too. Sometimes the game back then it needed it because if it started to get chippy, it calmed everything down. It's kind of hard to understand because there is no fighting or fisticuffs or really at, at lower levels. But back then in in the NHL and in, in the minor leagues, that was a that was a huge intimidation thing. Now it's more of a finesse game and speed and and. Um, that role is kind of, you know, gone. But back then, like I said, when I worked the East Coast League, there was there was multiple fights every game. But it made you a better official because you saw absolutely everything. But yeah, the player safety and official safety. After that, you know, that those two things. Anytime you really go in, is is kind of covers everything. What was the best play that you won or pick however many you want? The best plays that you you saw while you were out on the ice officiating. <sighs> wow. You know, the first time I saw Brett Hall take a slap shot, he had like one of the hardest shots. And I think, uh, I remember it was in Hartford and, uh, back then they, they strung the nets a little tighter than they do now. And I swear the puck came in and out and it was at the blue line before like the goalie even knew what was going on. And, and the goal light, goal light went on and that, um, but that just, that, that was, I think my first time seeing, wow, how good those guys, you know, how good of a shooter he was, you know, besides that, I mean, I, I, I think I uh, officiated Patrick Waugh's last game, too, and that was a playoff game. And I just remember it was in Colorado, and Minnesota beat them. They were a big underdog, and they beat them in overtime. And for some reason, I always remember that because the crowd was just like, what? That that wasn't supposed to happen. And, you know, they just beat them in overtime. Um, let's see, what else? I, I remember early on in my career, um, I worked in out in L.A., and this was when Gretzky was still playing. And he was chasing the all-time points record, and I, I was doing the game, and um, I think it was like whatever it was one less than what to tie the record. 
so I had the puck in my pocket and I remember back, you know, one of the, the LA, or Wayne came up to me actually and he goes, hey, Timmy, can we have that puck that's in your pocket? And I'm like, yeah, probably not a good career move. I better, I better give it to him. <laughs> but, uh, that was back in 93. I told you I like collect game pucks, but uh, yeah, to be on the ice with those guys, like to see Gretzky play and, and, and Lemieux, I, I worked um, Lemieux's first game back after he was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer and he came back, I think it was in 2000 in, uh, in Pittsburgh, back in Pittsburgh. Um, to see him score, I think he scored like four or five minutes into the game. I still remember that that goal. Um, just seeing that, and, and just so many memorable times. And, and he asked me, and I'm like, "He's, you know, I'm working in Boston Garden and and uh, the old form in Montreal. Um, just exciting times." Um, so, all right, so let's get into the coaching a little bit. When did you, you you've talked you've mentioned multiple times, you know, like when you when, that you started going up to the coaches around the league and just saying, "Hey, I want to get into coaching." What 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 do you, what can you tell me? When did you know that you wanted to get into coaching? Well, I think when we moved, we moved here in East to Easton in uh, 2004 and I got involved then. And it was with St. Peter Paul. Um, I met uh, one of the gentlemen at like open hockey that he had, he had been coaching or whatever. So I got involved in hockey because I always wanted to give back and especially knowing what hockey was like when we lived up in Buffalo and then kind of seeing what it was like here. I'm like, we got to get this, we got to get this growing here. So I wanted to be part of it. And, and I thought, heck, if I could, you know, use what I know or, or position of, of growing the game in any way I could, I'd love to. So um, coach just about every year as an assistant. Um, but like I said, I just wasn't able to be there all the time. And, um, you know, and I'd be traveling and we'd be playing a game. And I, first thing I do is kind of look at the schedule and see how many games I'd make. And it, obviously we knew what the practices were. But I knew as soon as I, when I was going to retire, that I wanted to to get into it full time. And like I said, it's just to grow the game and grow the game here in Easton on Eastern Shore. Because um, I think when we moved here in two thousand four. There's kind of like like the forgotten sport, or the kids maybe thought we don't have as much experience, or we're not as good as the players over there, and um, you know, so maybe we're not supposed to be as. And I'm like, no, we we could we could do this, make it better. And and since then. Like between all the teams, they've had some really successful teams, so it's exciting. And I think one of the disappointing things is is we have some really good hockey players that that are here in Easton, and to see when they go and they play, you know, they want to they go play in Delaware, or they go play in Philly, or they go play across the bridge. Um, you know, I'd really like to try somehow, some way to, if we could, to keep those players here and just build everything that we have, you know, in the Easton area, and and kind of then maybe get some buzz and, you know, obviously we only have one rink, but get kids starting in a, at a younger age. But, um, and I thought I could do that by coaching and, and really I, I say I, my philosophy, I just want to, I want to share the experience and the knowledge that I've had from skating with the best players right alongside the players and coaches for the last 26 years. I mean, you know, to, to see what, what they do and, and know how they do things and, and give the players something that, 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 you know, maybe, Maybe, you know, I, I can pass along to them. Is that, that's, that's always been my goal. So what, was it kind of an adjustment for you, like, this year? Be, like, I, this was your first year as the head coach, right? Yeah, it was. I how, loved it. Adjustment, I guess, you know, from traveling all the time throughout the year to now you're the head coach of, of a hockey team. What was the adjustment like? Uh, the adjustment was great, really, because, you know, towards the – as anyone that travels, the, the, the you know – if I had to pick one, the worst part of the job, it was the travel. Like travel nowadays is just so time consuming, whether it's in airports, on trains and hotels, all that part of it and cabs, 
that just got to a point where I just said, I just want to be home. So that's what I was looking forward to when I, when I retired is just, just being home. And then with the rink being so close, I'm like, all right, this is easy to, to get involved in and be part of. And, and really, and I, and I knew I'd be home and not have to worry about not making, you know, this practice or that game or whatever. That was, that was a priority. And here, you know, the high school, uh, you know, goes from whatever we, we, we started in October with some, with some drop-ins and then, uh, you know, our schedule luckily went to the end of February. So it was, you know, that time frame where that was a full-time job and I loved it. And I think, you know, the adjustment for me was, you know, I didn't know really any of the players. Um, I was just hoping to come in and, and compliment what was done in the past and, and add a couple things here and add a couple things there. And, you know, and I wanted to, wanted to make it special. I wanted, I remember growing up as a kid in Buffalo and when the days that I had practice, I was excited about going to practice. I was excited about having hockey that day. So I thought, okay, well, what can I, what can we do really um, that since that was my job um, to make it special for the players and make them feel like something, they're part of something that's special and they want to be and they're, they're excited about uh, they're having hockey that day. Um, um, so that's that's really been the, the goal. But the adjustment, I think, was um, just a it, – it was more relaxing, really, because I, I knew I'd, I was, I'd be there all the time and I didn't have to worry about, about when I was going to be there when I wasn't going to be there. So all your experiences around the NHL, how much has, has that helped you as you're coaching the kids now? I think it's helped – I'd like to say it's helped a lot um, from, the, from, the, from the knowledge, from the game. But – you know, seeing how, uh, I don't know, just, I, I, like I said, I just want to make it like, and if, and if, if the, the fact that I've been in the NHL makes, you know, me have some more credibility um, and people make good choices along the way because of that, because of the program that we're building, then really that's, that's the ultimate goal there too, um, is make them feel part of the, something special and knowing that to be part of this, then there's certain things that, that need to be done along the way. And it's, it's, uh, it's more of a, I'm trying to make it more of a, I want it to be more of a commitment um, from everybody to be part of it and make it just a, a great bunch of kids that, that want to be there. And, and, and I think, it, I think we achieved that, you know, tenfold as far as our first year, but um, you know, just trying little bits and pieces because it's kind of tough to come in and, and do so much in one year, right? You know, we practice twice, a, twice a week. And I'd love to to have four four ice sessions a week, but obviously there's just not ice time. Um, and plus, they're playing other teams too. It's not like it's not like uh, basketball or football. They're they're that's the only team that those guys are playing on. They, they, whether boys, you know, uh, football or, or boys or girls basketball. I don't think they're playing other travel that these kids play. So they're at the rink so much. So you got to kind of weigh you know, what we can do and, you know, and, and kind of gradually, cause you can't just throw it all at them once and, and, and expect the, that everything. Cause also we have different levels. Like this year, I think we had some just all right beginners on our team. And, you know, we were, we were fortunate that we didn't, I didn't want, and, and I'm glad that, you know, the, um, you know, the other coaches, we didn't want to have to make any cuts. And I think if we could do that in hockey, we had, I think 24, 24 um, kids on a team. And I thought if we could do that in hockey, which has such a defined practice area with such a different skill set of like, we had some players that are, you know, playing travel hockey and then other kids that were like beginners 
So we had to, as any like good school teacher, you have to keep everyone moving forward. And if I thought if we could do that in hockey with such a defined, then maybe other sports could do it, whether it's, you know, cause they have maybe easier access to, to practice facilities, but having some of the kids that, that, you know, maybe got cut from other sports uh, for the season or wanted to come out and try it. And I'm like, I, I love the fact that they, I said, just come out, work hard. As long as you want to work hard and, and be part of something and have fun, then we'd love to have you. So I thought that was just a great concept to have. And, and, and they, everybody just loved being on it. I hope. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we can build from here. Are you able to kind of, are you, have you gotten like some guest speakers or things like that from around the league? No, I tried. I was thinking of trying to, but, and I, I, I couldn't imagine. I always thought like, uh, you know, like what if I all of a sudden had, had a guy come from, from the Capitals? I think the kids would you know, they say just, you know, sitting in a room or whatever, but their travel schedule is so tough. Right. And it's kind of like the, you know, football, they're doing stuff every day. Um, you know, the NHL players, whether it's, whether they're on the road or they're not on the road. And, and I know what it was like when I traveled, like I'd be home for, you know, supposedly three days off, but one would be a travel day coming home. And then, uh, you know, the, the third day would be a travel day leaving and, and stuff like that. But it would be cool. I would, uh, I would love to, to see someday if I can get one of the players to come out and, uh, and just be around the kids. And, and, and I think more to, you know, to teach them, but the more to show the kids that they're just regular people, they really are. Everyone's like, Oh, what's this guy like? And I'm like, they're just regular people. They just happen to have jobs that they they're on TV and they skate around and, and, put on the skates the same way you do and do all the stuff that you do and stuff like that. And, and yeah, they're the best at what they do, but they're just, they're, they're such a great group of, of, of athletes and, and people that, you know, it's very, you know, very few that, that really, you know, aren't like that. All right. So tell me about this year coaching, but what'd you get, what'd you learn, I guess, from coaching as, as the head coach this year and how, where are you going from here team wise? What did we learn? Well, um, I learned a lot, I learned, you know, because I think with when I was assistant, you, you know, the kids now are totally different, right? You have to really approach it a different way. And I think my thing was learning about the kids, their person, like what they're like and how to, you know, you have to talk to one kid one way or, you know, how to motivate another where another one, you know, like to be kind of pushed a little bit more or what level that they were at as far as skill or, or just their personalities. But I always tried what I, what I always wanted to do was get the kids to open up. And I thought, okay, if we can get everybody to open up and, and in a way, you know, I always say, if you can laugh at yourself and, and not be guarded. And like, I think if you're guarded, you don't really have fun. So I try to get the kids to open up, laugh. And, and that's why I would, you know, I'd laugh at myself. So they, they see, okay, it's okay to, just come here and have fun and work hard, you know, but know when you're going to switch, you know, turn to switch and, and we're having fun, but now, okay, now it's time to work hard. We have to work hard and we're going to achieve a, a goal. And, and, you know, I always say, we're going to work hard, but whatever we do is to achieve a goal here. Um, but I think learning how to, to kind of get that feel of for every, every student, every, every player of how, whether it was, you know, and I always would try every, every session to, to kind of try to talk to everybody and see, Hey, even if it was just, Hey, how are you doing? How's, how's this? How's that? So it's, it's not just, you, you know, you're talking to one player, talking to this player, that player, not talking. And, and cause you got to realize, I think even just a, you know, saying hi or whatever. And we would just shoot around before practice a little bit and warm up. 
I tried to just say hi to everybody and, and whether if it wasn't that, then it was during the practice, but learning, learning them as people, I think was the biggest thing, um, that I could, that I tried to do this year, as far as the coaching part of it, even though it's, it's not, it's coaching, but it's coaching people as opposed to coaching the hockey part of it. And, and going from here, I think, I think we're building something good. I think we've got a great foundation. Um, obviously we lost some seniors this year, but then, you know, we had some really good freshmen that, that, that started this year and, and playing and, you know, now they got ex- the year experience, they know what's expected and then, and we can build from there. And, I don't want to, I don't like, I, maybe, maybe their first year, especially being a, a freshman in high school, nervous about high school, nervous about being on the hockey team. What, you know, what's this? I'm only a friend, you know, now they feel comfortable. They're in their things. And, and even when, you know, when we get a player that would hurt, uh, get hurt, you know, no one's got to, no one's got to replace that player. Everyone just has to do a little bit more to do that. So then if you have that concept, all these kids that are freshmen now going into being sophomores know, all right, all you, I don't have to try to come here and do stuff that I can't. Just, I just got to keep improving, keep improving. Um, so looking forward, I think we, I think we have, you know, obviously a great uh, core going forward um, with, I think four or five are, are really, really solid uh, players were sophomores last year. And now they're only going to, you know, they're going to be juniors. And then we have a good, good bunch of juniors that are going to be seniors here that that'll be leading the team. And, um, you know, and then we'll have freshmen come in and, and it's that cycle. And it's just that four year cycle that, you try as they as they start to, to build and build and build. So when they get, uh, you know, as they get, you know, they get better as they go along and just improve. All right, Tim. I, I think that's a good place to wrap up. I appreciate the time, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure, Seth. <laughs>